Hi, everybody. Dave Hodges here. As I know, I am the host of the Common Sense Show, and we are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And we're going to do some unenslaving with regard to knowledge of the economy. And I venture to say most of the country, I'm going to say two-thirds, really have no idea what's coming because most of you haven't lived through the 70s as an adult. But it could be far worse than the 70s as well. And to untangle this economic mess, we've asked Robert Kudla to come on the show and talk about this and then talk about the things that he's doing to try to, well, let's say, thwart this uh, takedown of the American economy. Bob, welcome to the show. And it just, every time we talk, every two weeks, it just gets worse and worse. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. Look, you, you know, I think now the policymakers can can't even hide the fact anymore that we we're going from this quote unquote transitory environment to now it's becoming a, a step up in the cost of living, and they quite frankly don't know what to do. You know, you and I talked about this before. They went from I think they thought they had this thing controlled and in the bag. You know, um, you know, we had this um, this medical condition that was been affecting the country. They thought they had a plan that going into 2021 here, late 2022, that they're going to be past it and that they're going to go ahead and pass these infrastructure and this whole secular change to the the way the United States operates. And they they thought they would be now with a long term control of the country from a political standpoint, and I think everything that they tried blew up because I think a lot of these people don't they believe their own propaganda, and they just didn't apply common sense, and they doubled down every time they were wrong, and then Virginia hit them square in the face, but it wasn't just Virginia, and so now with the inflation you know embedded in the economy and they don't know what to do you know they 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 can't fix the supply chain issue because it's really coming out of china and somewhat out of the ports of los angeles long beach because then they're affecting their union buddies they can't touch energy because it's coming out of russia and saudi arabia and they cut our own throat and then with Canada doing the same thing, with stopping any new production of oil and gas in the country, they're creating an environment where they don't understand the cascading effects of higher energy costs. You know, one thing that people don't, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but what people don't realize is a lot of the trucking in this country are independent operators. And if they don't get paid for the fuel surcharge, that's happening with with uh, energy costs. They just won't run their rigs. I saw another mitigating factor with truckers. I saw a really good interview with a trucker with 30 years experience, and he is an independent contractor. And he said that when the pandemic hit, Trump did something really smart. He said, we're not going to enforce the hours limitation on truck drivers. He said, by the time that we get our load and go through all the paperwork that the Biden administration is making them go through, he said, we only have three or four hours the first day. We can't make make, make money doing that. He said, that's why uh, the truckers are having a problem. And he said, I'm sick of Biden blaming us for what he caused. 
Yeah, I mean the truck, the truckers, um, they, um, they're they're going to be one of the um, the daggers in the heart of the the Biden administration because they 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 look, they pissed off Saudi Arabia right out of the gate. They pissed off Russia even before they took power, and then they then we cut our own throat with stopping the um, any kind of production here and any taking any offload from Canada. So that is the number one thing. But here's the thing, Dave, that, that is going to start the cascade that's going to freak everybody out next year is that the price of ammonia went from $100 to $1,000. I don't know if that's like a 1,000 cubic feet or whatever it is or pounds for production, but that's used. That's the primary input for food production. Oh, my gosh. So, so you're talking coffee. You can't grow coffee around the world without um, without um, fertilizer every every year, okay? Because the tropical zones are notoriously uh, nutrient poor, okay? That's why they always had to burn down the forests, you know, when they when they harvest it because they took the minerals from the burnt wood, and then they could they can grow crops for a couple of years, and then they move on to the next field, the, the next amount of a forest to burn. Well, you can't you can't grow coffee without fertilizer every year. So if you're talking about a 10x move in pneumonia, is that the farmers aren't going to get the coffee prices high enough, fast enough, and they're just not going to be able. To, either their production is going to collapse, or or if they are more well financed, they're just going to the coffee prices are going to go through the roof. And that's not just coffee; it's 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 anything that requires ammonia onto the ground okay what are some and other things that require that i'm not an expert in this at oh all. corn corn you know probably the number one thing and so corn goes in everything all the way down to pigs it, and, and food fruit uh all manufactured food has corn syrup or corn starch um corn feed you know uh, when they make corn syrup that the the, the the dry waste from that gets fed back to the hogs you know so we're going to see we're going to see orders of magnitude higher prices in everything if they don't get that under control totally self-inflicted wound totally and we're going right into a global well, when you say pandemic. it's self-inflicted educate the ignorant here how was it self-inflicted well they're, they're just they're just not allowing um increased production of natural gas in this country we we can stick a straw on the ground anywhere in this country and produce natural gas, Dave. They're just, they're blocking it. Is that an ecology it's, argument? It's the Green New Deal argument. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's what I meant by ecology. But I oh, think they yeah. don't think, these, these, these people are, well, you got the blindly ignorant, you got the useful, useful ignorant, then you got the psychotic people, right? And then you got everybody else that's not paying attention. Well, <laughs> they're paying attention now. Yeah. Okay. That 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 that, that makes sense. So, uh, it, it, I don't know. I don't want to go down the ecology trail. The thing I was wondering was, is there a way to satisfy both masters in terms of being environmentally friendly and still meeting these energy needs? But apparently, the Biden administration has said no. No, they don't want to. It's the okay. same argument with, with you know, uh, things we can't talk about, right? It's either my way or the highway on every one of these things. We're dealing with we're dealing with the Pope and Galileo right now. Okay. Mm. So 
Galileo is the American people and the Pope is the Biden administration. It's just that they are not going to change their religious convictions on on all their all their mantras. Yeah. Okay. So they're they're inflexible. Really they don't care if they lose the next election. These people, they're just they're religious zealots. Okay. Yeah. I hear what you're saying because after Virginia, I thought we might see a quiet period from the Biden administration, and the very next day it was more the same, only more intense. So, yeah, you doubled uh, yeah, down. No, no, I, no, I, yeah, I totally agree. Along these lines, too, um, I talked to a couple of political experts, and they gave me their opinion. I wanted to get your reaction. Kamala Harris, after Virginia, has been sent off to the uh, COP26 convention. Uh, do you think she's going there for damage control to say, hey, we still got things under control, even though the people seem to be in a political uprising? No, they just got rid of her. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, hide her out in Europe, right? Yeah, because hey, we don't want her anywhere near anything right now. We'll well, that's an important conference. I don't think you'd want her there. I think she could do more harm than good. Yeah, well, I don't know. They probably everybody's getting, look. Everybody's ignoring it anyway, so the media just won't show her, right? Okay. So before we went on air, you mentioned transitory inflation and another type of inflation. Can we explain those terms to the average person? Yeah, so transitory means that, like in the spring, oil goes to $100 a barrel, but by the fall, it's back to 60 That's transitory. Okay. And bet it goes, it goes from $60 a barrel to $100 a barrel and it stays there. Now you just embedded a 40% increase in your energy costs that, has, that, that will then cycle through the rest of the economy over the next couple months or years. Well, some low IQ moron from the Biden administration said that inflation is good. It shows that people are buying things. Yeah. I'm going to let you respond to that. And I know, Uh, remember, this is a family show, Bob. Yeah, it's just amazing to me. The Fed always says it, too. We're looking for 2% inflation. Yeah, the American people want their cost of living to go up 2% every year. And they got to fight with their employer to stay ahead. Oh, and oh, by the way you get embedded in higher and higher tax rates as you, as you as your salary goes up. So you, you, you can never, first of all, you're behind. Your employer will never pay you fast enough to keep up with inflation. And then the federal government likes it because they just move you in higher and higher tax brackets as you go. Oh, boy. So that's, that's, that's why these people are, you know, they're idiots. And the only reason why they're doing it is they, look, the, the, the wealthy – you own all the assets, so they, obviously they want asset prices to go higher. And because they, they uh, very little of their wealth is tied up into living, they don't care about if your cost of living goes up. So they're they're fine. They could just keep acquiring more assets. You know what you're describing is something I've talked about in education. Here's the parallel, and I think this might help people understand. There was a time, and I don't know what the rate is now, but let's go back 20 years ago. There was a time when education costs for the university level were going up eight times faster than the cost of living. And people say, how can this go on? This is terrible for the youth. And I said, hold on, hold on. I said, if your kid has a college degree and a rich kid has a college degree, the playing field is somewhat more leveled. I said, if they can price you out, they don't care if it goes up eight times, the elite. They've priced you out. Or you can go into expensive student loan debt and you'll be paying that off and not competing with their kids. And if we go back to what you just said, it sounds like they're saying 
we like it when prices go up. We'll make more money uh, and we'll drive people further, further down the economic ladder who compete with us. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what they're doing. And the other thing, too, that people don't realize is that once you're once you cross over certain um, adjusted gross income thresholds, you lose benefits, too. So, you know, if you're in Social Security and you're and you, you're working, too, you, you once you make over a certain amount of money, they start taxing your Social Security up to 100 percent of it. And so. All of a sudden, your cost of living goes up higher than the 5% they're giving you. And then your boss gives you a raise, you know, because he's a good guy, right? Or gal. And and next thing you know, you're like, well, wait a minute. Now I'm getting taxed on my Social Security because I'm making more money than, than, than I was in the past. I went over the threshold. So now I have a choice. Do I, can I, do I have to work less hours? Do I have to quit and find a different job that doesn't pay me as much? See, you, you get trapped. And it's not just Social Security. You're talking about child tax credit. You're talking about Section 8. You're talking about food stamps. You're talking about um, uh, other housing allowances. You're talking about um, covered California, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the subsidies they give for health insurance. Everything. Everything. So, so we're now all trapped in a vice that was not done by accident. Okay, this is a plan, and so, so I think what they thought they were going to be able to do is is to make it a fact on the ground, and you got to suck it up, Buttercup. Or what's happening now is that the chaos is overwhelming their ability to control the narrative. And, and I think it's going to be a, a, it's a disaster for all of us because we're going to live with this. Just like with Jimmy Carter, I mean, it took Reagan two years uh, to de- extinguish this flame, right, after, after the Carter years. And, and I think um, it's going to be probably even more so now because we have so many more people retired, you know. So it's going to be very, it's going to be very interesting, Dave. The, Sad. Um, it, well, it, it's... <laughs> Going, it's going to go from sad to depressing, and, and and maybe even hopeless. But let me let me ask you this question. Um, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this. Are there any insulating capabilities that people have? For example, you um, you run Trade Genius, so let, let's use you as an example. What are you doing to help um, your investors? stem the tide of, of this terrible onslaught because I think the worst place to leave your money is the bank. Yeah, and also the worst place to leave your money is in into stocks that aren't going to be able to maintain maintain lift as, as inflation bites. Well what we've done at Trade Genius, Dave, is that we have a couple of really effective algorithms and we've noticed early on that the energy sector the food sector, uh, within energy sector, the uranium, uh, natural gas, uh, within the food sector, the fertilizer stocks, and then also in in the precious metals area, not yet silver, not yet gold, although they're getting close, but platinum and palladium are all getting bid. And so what we've been doing with our clients is we've been placing them in those trades. And um, we've had spectacular success in doing that and how we how we do it is that 
we we provide them with our indicators. We also have chat rooms where we can communicate. We have an ability to send them trades every day, in which we do. And then we teach them how this methodology works. Cool. That's very cool. So how do... The, the, the cost of getting in is coming in and purchasing the education items, the bundled, non-bundled? Yeah, so if you want to take advantage of it, is that we put some bundles together, Dave. We 65% off. Uh, we trade crypto. You see you see Bitcoin today is going through the roof. Yeah, I saw that. So, we, yeah. so yeah, so we, we trade cryptocurrencies. We trade the stock market. We have a room that trades more exotic stuff with options and futures. And you can just pick one of those bundles. They're already pre-discounted 65% off. They're very, 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 very value priced for people to be able to take advantage of it and, and quickly recover that investment. And then if you just want to pick and choose something, just use promo code FALL and you can uh, take 40% off of anything that's not bundled uh, off. And if you take advantage by Saturday, you'll get a, you'll, you'll, you'll get those pricing. So. I encourage people to do it. Um, we have a, uh, we've been doing this a long time since 2015. We think we have a good pulse on the macro trend, and then within that, we just let the algorithm find the um, the best prices. Like you know, we got into EXK on Friday; it's up nicely. We got into SILG; it's up. You know, we we got people into the into the Mara trade, um, you know, early, which is the Bitcoin miners. Uh, so there's a lot of places where you can make money. And to answer your initial question is that you have to be in things that are going to outrun the inflation that's coming. Exactly. That is a great point. Let me ask you a question on this, too, because we've talked about Trade Genius before. I, the market, people, average people are taking big hits right now. Are you guys still winning two out of three trades? Yeah. So um, here, I'll pull up my thing right now. Um, so we're... A, approximately 65% win rate. Um, as of mm -hmm. as of today, we're 64.49% win rate. Uh, this is on nearly 500 trades. Uh, and we're averaging um, an annualized 201.86% on the trades that we're taking. What does that mean? Can you break that down? Yeah, so we're in the trades an average of three days. So that our average trade wins uh, 2%. That's net of all losses. That's the win rate. 1.94%. So it annualizes out to about 200% win rate. So depending on... Is that a return on investment? I'm sorry to be ignorant, but is that a return yeah, it's on... Yeah, it's a return on investment of that trade. Wow. You're yeah, saying so annually, yeah, annually work out 200%. What's that? Yeah, so it's not a portfolio because you'd have to be 100% invested in everything that we give you. You know what I mean? I understand. Which yeah, not, I get it. It's not realistic. But but anyway, you're you're gonna outrun you're gonna outrun anything you can do in this with anybody else. So um, and these aren't we're not chasing we're not we're not chasing crazy stuff. And this is stocks. It's not even crypto. Cryptos we're doing even better. So uh, with stock, these aren't we're not chasing penny stocks. We're not chasing any of the flash in the pan stuff. These are solid companies. I'm talking about PLG for platinum, EXK for silver, MOS for mosaic. You know um, we're chasing. Uh, Energy names like, you know, XLE and Matador, clean energy stocks like CLNE. So things that people would recognize, we're trading those. My goodness gracious. I hope you have operators standing by because you're, <laughs> you're going to be deluged with those kind of stats. 
That's phenomenal. Yeah, and, and we've been we've been consistently doing this, you know, well since the beginning. We we have a good system. It's a solid system. We call it just you know get rich slowly. Get but you're going to get rich. You know, but you have to follow the signals and you have to learn. You have to understand. You have to you have to uh, you know apply yourself. But after a couple months, you know you you you'll see trades that I see them as I see them. So you know we're going to educate you. The best analogy I give people is like, look, we're going to put you in the right fishing ground, okay? We're going to teach you how to fish. We're going to give you fishing equipment, and we're going to give you fish. So right, let me ask you a question as a nervous person, okay? So I sign up with Trade Genius. I go through and I do all these vignettes, and I learn what you're doing either through non-bundled and bundled items. Now it comes time for me to go on my own. Do you give any support at that point, or are people just kind of going to cast their line into the ocean by themselves? No, they can just throw a question in the chat room. Bob, I'm thinking about buying this. What do you think? Really? Yeah, and then I'll just answer them back saying, let's look at the chart, or I don't like it, or I like it, or this is why I like it, or I don't like it. Yeah, of course. I'm you in see, the chat room. You see, you have the these algorithms, room. too. Um, I don't yeah, want you to, to, to betray any trade secrets. Too, by the way. What's yeah. that? How do you do? How do you do these algorithms? I mean, what are, what are they about? Yeah, so they're they're primarily about money flow and trend. So the deep dark secret of trading is that you know um, price price action, right? So determines a trend. So if you see prices going up, and then you see money coming in as prices go up there's a good chance the trend's going to continue. So we, we look for these reversals and trend, and then we see if those trends are going to um, manifest themselves into anything more. And, and we put up buy signals. And so, you know, it is a probability game. If you win two out of every three times, and if your win rate that's called the profit factor is positive, you can't help but make money. And so we have a high enough win rate with a high enough prop factor to make it worth your while to do it. And that's okay. all we do. Okay, so here's my doubting Thomas question. Why isn't everybody else doing this? I think a lot of people, the thing about trading that we've noticed is is that uh, a lot of people chase what we call the shiny nickel, right? So if you go out on the internet, everybody's chasing Tesla or everybody's chasing this or chasing that. And what you have to realize is that once it gets out on social media, uh, you're you're behind, okay? And also people that have competing services, sometimes they're trading their own book ahead of you. So they'll put you in something they already own. You lift the stock for them and they get out. So that happens. That's unethical. Should yeah, be, it should is. be illegal. But, but people do it. And uh, so... The other thing that happens too is, is is that especially if they're what they call low float stocks, Dave. So if a stock doesn't trade a lot of shares, you can literally move it. Okay. So if you're trading ahead of your customers, you know, and look, it happens all the time, Dave. And I'm not talking about just other service, but Goldman Sachs does it as a living. Okay. <laughs> wow. Right. So um, you know, those guys they're always front running their people, and and so you could see it. And so, um, you, you know, you have those situations and then then people that have their money, you know, uh, just manage with ETFs. You have this situation called um, market capital weighted stocks, meaning that Tesla, as it goes up in price and value and as a percentage of the of the portfolio of the of the ETF, 
it becomes more and more and more important. And so it, it, it creates these imbalances within these portfolios. When it goes up, it's a good guy. Everybody's stoked. But when it reverses, it's a nightmare. Okay. And it can happen fast. And I'll give you an example. Look at Moderna stock, right? You know, we know all about Moderna, right? It's been a darling. Okay. It lost 35% of its value in three days, Dave. Three days. So if you're, if you had your money in an ETF that had Moderna, the first day you can't really do anything about it because everybody's kind of unaware. By the second day, you're panicking. By the third day, you already lost 30%. So that's when the market turns over, where people they are gonna have a come to Jesus moment with their portfolios. And then money that's professionally managed is that as long as things are going up, everything's good. But when things stop going up, is that you have everybody on the same side of the boat. So we think our system sits in a sweet spot. And it's, uh, we, you know, we, we consider ourselves white hats. So we don't chase penny stocks, we don't chase low floaters if we can avoid them. We're just in stocks that everybody can understand. Most of them have options associated with it so that they're they're what's called liquid, meaning that there's enough shares that are trading every day. And they're in the markets that of the area where the um, where money is flowing into. So it's a, it's a simple process. You know, trading's not difficult, Dave, it's hard. And what I mean by that is that you have to follow the rules to make money. Yeah, it sounds like if you have some discipline, though, you'll do okay. Yeah, exactly. So that's why we do what we do and why we think we do better than most. And we and we do good enough, you know, and, um, you know, there's a phrase that I like to use is you know, perfection is the enemy of good enough. So if you have a high enough probability and a high enough profit factor and you can make enough money to make it worth your while, then that's our system. Okay. So if you were... Uh baseball manager or football coach you'd be an analytics guy right um yeah i guess so um you know uh i don't let the numbers i don't let the numbers control me but it, you know if if there's a guy that can constantly slug it out of the out of the park i want to hire that guy you know what i mean so you know so i'm more of a uh stock you don't have to be so analytical with stock you just have to you have to know springtime's here does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And summer's coming. Seasonal. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So, and I mean seasonal by, look, there's an ebb and flow to this. Um, stock trading is a, is a sine wave. Okay. So you can see it coming. It's like nobody should ever be surprised, you know, uh, unless you have an earnings report coming up and stuff like that, which we tend to try to avoid those because those are unknowns. So for the most part, though, if you, if you kind of, you can see the money flowing in, then you're, you're going to be you're going to be fine. Where people the people that struggle the most in this Dave are people that what they call FOMO it. They heard something, they saw something, it broke out this morning. They chase it and it pulls back. They get stopped out, and then next thing you know, they do that three or four times. They lost a ton of money and then they quit. Versus you see the trend changing, you take a position, and then you work that position as it as it rewards you. And if it doesn't reward you, you got out, but you got out low. You didn't get a big pullback. So, so that's what we do. Yeah. So thanks. For totally unemotional. But let me ask you this then: um, How much do you factor in news events? You know, we 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 ignore news events other than other than uh, 
we're careful around employment reports and we're careful around fed um fed meetings okay because those are those are uh, potential changes but a lot of times news especially bad news if you get a quick sell-off they typically get bought back okay so a lot of times when you see things in the news about a stock they're trying to get you to to either sell something they want to buy or buy something they want to sell okay that makes sense well since i brought up trade genius as the example of what we're talking about people are going okay there's going to be some there and say i'm flocking to this because it sounds good and it is good you've stood the test of time with high winning rates how do people get a hold of you yeah so just go to tradelikeagenius.com or tradegeniusacademy.com and you know um you can call us you can uh you can email us, you can uh, chat with us, and we'll be happy to put you in the right package that works best for you. And there's there's a number of different levels. So <clears throat> you can get into it at a fairly low um, initial cost and um, and kick the tires, or you can go in there and pick one of the packages. You know, the, 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 the bigger bundles give you better value. And so uh, so we, we price it, we price it for a bunch of different options. Okay, well, that, that sounds pretty good to me. Um, going forward, what do you project for the market as a whole? Yeah, so we think there's a secular change, and um, energy already took off. Uranium is going to be a secular long-term play because just the amount of nuclear power plants are being built in China and India alone will support a doubling or a tripling of the uranium prices and uh, now we're starting to see a movement in platinum and palladium remember there's you know everybody thinks the electric car is the only way in which we're gonna go we're gonna leave the fossil fuel industry is that remember nuclear can create hydrogen and hydrogen requires platinum and palladium and remember the electric car requires a lot a lot of exotic metals like cobalt and copper and nickel and some of the rare earths and so they may at some point not be practical and if you live in europe dave you know, where are you going to charge your car okay there's you know what I, you, you know what i'm saying they, they, they can't put the charging stations you, you can't plug it into your garage right so you're going to have and electricity there is 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 enormously expensive and so you know they're gonna they're gonna probably opt into a hydrogen economy over there as well. So platinum is going to be another long-term play, and then uh, and then on the food side is it's really simple. You, the fertilizer stocks are going to keep paying, and then also you're going to want to own some of the um, wholesale and retail food companies because when you have inflation, they're buying inventory at a lower price that they're selling it. Okay, I mean, that sounds obvious, but that's not always what happens is that if you hold on inventory for a month and, and prices are going up 12% a year, you got an immediate 1% bump, right? And you didn't do anything. And so remember, grocery stores operate on 1%, 1.5% margins, you know, as a whole. So if they're getting, if they're getting a free ride 1% on a 12% on a inflation, which food inflation is going to go up 1% a month, is is that you're going to um, uh, food companies are going to be fine? I'm talking about grocery stores, and then there's some other 
what's called food transportation companies that are going to do fine as well. So those are the areas you can make money. And then at some point here soon, I think it's starting to happen now. Silver is starting to break its downtrend line now. Gold is behind it. And once silver goes, Dave, silver is like a, a rocket sled once the uh, the bankers lose control of that short book. Okay? Then they're going to cover fast. And you can see gold. I'm not making a prediction here, but you can see silver go from $23, $24 where it is today. Um, $50 is a nothing burger. Okay? And if you and if you really want to be crazy, if you want to have crypto time to talk, you know, $600 for silver just brings it back into where it was against inflation in the 70s at its high. Okay? So $50 silver in the 70s is worth a lot more, lot more than than uh, $50 today. So I think once it goes, it's really going to go. And you got to remember, if it gets too expensive for these miners to mine, is that that means they're not going to mine as much silver. So silver prices could really take off. So those are the areas I think you can you can make your money. And I wouldn't screw around with anything else. At some point, the FANG stocks and and those things and semiconductors already made their move. Is that I think it's going to be like the '70s, where you're going to see the big name stocks get crushed, and the money's going to pour into into commodities. Look, the Biden administration is going to sell a trillion dollars worth of worth of um, infrastructure that's uh, <clears throat> that's going to require all these commodities. So they're just going to keep going higher. And don't coal coal already had one big move. It's consolidating. Coal's going to get a second move too. China can't. China doesn't have enough energy. Yeah, that's interesting. Do you think that's why the planners for the climate change people are allowing China a grace period to catch up? Um, you mean besides that China bought all those people off? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But what I do know is China gets to come to the party late in terms of sacrifices they make to their economy and their energy to conform with these standards. Yeah, China and India and Russia are just simply not going to do it. Ever? And so... Yeah, this is this is the West committing suicide. Wow. You know, and, and let me tell you this. I, I understand what you're saying about clean up electric cars, but if we could clean up the batteries and things like that and have enough charging stations, it really is the way to go as long as we have the infrastructure to support it. Look, I'm not opposed. I mean, look, I've owned a solar energy company for 14 years. I'm not opposed to clean energy. In fact, I'm, I'm enamored by it all. What I what I what I don't don't like is that they're mandating a behavior change before the the economy and people can yeah. afford it and, and, and adapt to it. It should just be it should be a long term plan. Look, over the next thirty years we want to get to here and there and just just keep developing the technology. People will start buying the things as they need to. You don't have to say we're gonna phase this out or phase that out. Because then you create these artificial shortages and problems. Look, solar energy in California was a great deal. Then the utilities came in and they found a way to screw it up, right? They, you know, now they went to time of use billing, and and so now people have solar panels. They stop producing. They're selling their electricity back at a cheaper price, and they have to buy it back between four and nine p.m. So they they say they want to do things, but but the elites have a they're really not interested in that. They're really interested in controlling all aspects of your life. And they hate the fact that they can't control oil and natural gas because it's not, you know, it's not something you can control in California or New York City. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Yeah. 
Um, and so but, that's that's my issue with it is that I don't think you ask any look. There was just a, a poll came out this morning. Absolutely, everybody believes that we should we should phase out fossil fuels and go clean. Who who can argue with that? No, I agree, I agree with that too. too. Yeah. But are you willing to change your lifestyle in order to happen? Three percent said yes. I'm not willing so to walk. The, I'm not willing to walk 20 miles to work. No. Right. That's the dichotomy. You know, instead of saying, "Okay, I understand that. I recognize that." So let's slowly get there together, folks. Let's keep embedding technology, and and the federal government will invest in it to make it affordable, and eventually we'll we'll turn it. What people don't understand about about the alternate energy, Dave, is that southwestern United States can be totally solar, not a problem. Okay, all right. The Great Plains states can be can be totally wind, not a problem. True. The eastern half of the United States has to use fossil fuels or nuclear. There's no, the physics demands it. There's not enough wind. There's not enough sun. You know, so so it's it's kind of like this. You can't you can't take the energy from California and send it to New York. The resistance in the line, electrical lines are will preclude it. You know, and so so it is it's, it's, it's simply ridiculous. You know. I think the northern New England states can get hydro from Quebec, okay? But you're talking about from half of New Hampshire, Boston, all the way down, all the way to the Mississippi, you have to use either nuclear, well, you have to use nuclear if you want to if you want to go clean. Isn't nuclear considered to be on the good list, though? Well, it is, but they're not investing in it yet. And so you still have a lot have... of NIMBY here, and the green energy people hate it because that's cheap. <laughs> You're talking about two to three cents a kilowatt hour, you know? Okay, so why and do they hate that? I think that would be a good thing. Yeah, and you have this pebble bed technology now that you can't have a three-mile island because you spread the, you basically spread out the radioactive material wide enough that it can't get hot enough to melt down. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So instead of control rods, they literally have pebbles that are mixed with an, an, mm -hmm. a, some sort of neutron absorbing. So it can only get hot enough to boil the water, but it can't get hot enough to, you know, um, to basically melt through the ground <laughs> like they did through my island. Well, see, that's, and, that's, a good, that's a good thing. And, yep. and uh, you know, I, I, I have a source in Palo Verde. And I know a lot that goes on out there that the public would be shocked if they knew. But but essentially, I've been told the same thing. So I'm thinking that should be the way, if you can't adapt to solar and wind because you don't have the climate to support it, couldn't you then just go to nuclear? I mean, to me, that's the logical uh, conclusion. Yeah, of course it is. But what you can't, um, it, once you produce electricity at three cents a kilowatt hour, it's hard to it's hard to make people uh, spend a whole lot of money, and you can't control people's lives, you know. So, I mean, we shut down two nuclear power plants here in California. Yeah, know? what was and the now, reason now behind we're reliant that? on natural gas out of Arizona? Hmm. Yeah, what was the reason for that? Um, one of them had a crack in the dome, and the other one um, uh, was a seismic issue. So, but. It's just not in the plan. California thinks they can do everything with solar, and um, but they're not producing it here. They're, it's all being produced out of Arizona and Nevada. So that makes sense. 
it's crazy. No, but but that's but, but, I, but I hear what you're saying though. I I um, I, I got to tell you, I I think I think that we're we're in a situation where um, um, well, I'm gonna let me back up. I'm gonna say it this way. I I I want to look more at the new Green Deal uh, that they're attempting to pass in reconciliation and determine whether or not they're going to individualize it by geography and weather patterns. To me, that only makes sense. Do you, do you know if they're going to do that, or is it just one size fits all? No, when the federal government does something, it's always one size fits all. And it's, it's look, it's it's going to be all about controlling your behavior. The the Democrats know if they can shove you into cities, they can control the politics of of the uh, electorate. So they yeah. want to shove everybody. They want people dense. Okay, that's true. I, I saw that behavior with Obama. They did these um, federal experiments in St. Paul where they had higher gas taxes for the suburbs than they did in the inner cities, hoping that transportation costs would cause people to want to move closer to work. So that is that is a fact. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know how much of the new ecology this is a part of, but I know that Obama experimented with that. What about high-speed rail? What, what's your opinion I, on that? It, it's I don't know how how practical it is. You know, uh, you know. I I look out here in California, and you know, they there's just you have to go too far to connect. Number one to the rail, and number two, like I'll give you an example. Um, my mom, so I flew out to Virginia where my 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 mom was born and raised in Pennsylvania, and so we moved her, finally moved her down, lived with my sister in Virginia Beach, okay? So she, my mom went and visited friends back in Pennsylvania, and um, I have to set the story up for you so you can understand it. So then she was coming back down because my wife and I were going to fly out and see my sister and her in Virginia. So she went ahead and um, she booked a, a flight on, on, on Amtrak, so she had to drive from Allentown, Pennsylvania to Philadelphia to get on Amtrak. So that's a 50 mile drive. And then she had to drive, uh, then she, she took the train. Once, you, once you're in Philadelphia, you, you, um, you, you had to go from a diesel train, uh, electric train, onto the diesel fast train. Well, it stops 19 times by the time it got to Virginia Beach. So it took my mom nine hours to go from Virginia Beach, Pennsylvania, uh, to Virginia Beach, plus the hour and a half to drive and wait for the train. So ten and a half hours, she could have hopped on an airplane, uh, and that cost her one hundred twenty dollars. She could have she could have hopped on an airplane in Allentown, Pennsylvania, got to Virginia Beach in in two and a half hours, and the flight would have cost her one hundred twenty bucks, one hundred nine dollars, mm. one way. <laughs> so. Until high-speed rail can provide some sort of value add, you know, uh, I don't think people are going to take it. So yeah, well, it's kind of like when they have these inner-city rails, you know, the light rail. Um, you do have the park and rides, but 50 miles is excessive. Yeah, so I mean, I'll look at my area here. So um, I live in Laguna Niguel, California. You know. Um, Orange County doesn't have like a city, it, you know, it has a county seat, Santa Ana, you know, and Anaheim is kind of a big convention area. You know, if, if the city planners were smart about it, they would build up that area. We have a train that runs from Laguna Niguel up into Anaheim. 
So you would think, hey, if you want to catch a game, right, there's the Duck Pond there, there's the Anaheim Stadium, right? Um, you just walk down to the train station, hop on the train to get there. Well, there's, it, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, you think, you think you can hop on the train and get to LAX or hop on the train and get to Orange County Airport. They didn't, there's no integration, Dave. You know, um, and so until they, I think they have to spend a lot of money integrating where people come and go before you start trying to create more high-speed rail. You know, California is trying to create high-speed rail. They built, first of all, they built it in the agricultural areas where nobody's using it. You know, and um, well, that's just stupidity. Because here, I will say this: in in Phoenix, I don't think we should support light rail because I think we're too spread out. But where they do run it makes sense yeah i mean look i think i i'm look i'm a big fan of look i i would take the train look my business partner lives in san diego okay um and um we will meet on the weekend because i could take a ten dollar all you can all you can eat ride on the metro liner into oceanside okay <laughs> sign me up <laughs> so yeah so um I'll do that, but during the week I couldn't do it because it's a $50 thing where I can hop in my truck and I could be down there in 40 minutes and it would cost me a fraction of that. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I'm willing to do these things, but it can't be so inconvenient and so expensive that it makes no sense whatsoever. And I think I don't think they I don't think they really they really thought through what they call yield management, right? I don't know why we're not connected. LAX, Long Beach, Ontario. San Diego and Orange County should all have rail pulling right into those airports. I, well, I totally agree with that. And that's just, see, that's not the weakness in the idea. It's the weakness in the stupid people who can't implement it properly. Yeah, I, and I don't understand it. I think you, look, I would love to never get in my car, you know, to go to go fly somewhere because it cost me a fortune to park, you know. I would love to. I would love to have, you know, but LAX, they stopped it short because they had pushback from, you know, the taxi drivers, the Uber drivers, the, you know, the parking, the, the parking program at the, at the airport itself. There were too many, there were too many mouths to feed that politically they just didn't do it. Now they're doing it 10 years later, you know, when you can't even get into the airport, it takes you an hour to get to LAX from my house and then an hour to get from the entrance of LAX to get to your gate. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's a nightmare. We're supposed to be the best country in the world and we have we have third world um, solutions. Yeah, I, no, I hear what you're saying. They, they, they're touting um, the uh, train system, though, to take the place of airplanes. That's what I'm getting just, out of the new yeah, green I, deal. Unless it's, yeah, unless it's faster, it makes no... Look, here's, here's the tale, right? So... Where do you put the train to go to Vegas, right? I can leave my house and I can be in Vegas in four and a half hours if there's traffic five and a half hours. So the flight to Vegas is an hour, an hour. But I have to be at the airport, I have to be at the airport an hour and a half early, right? So now it's two and a half hours. Okay, so the train has to be faster than that. That's why they're talking about high-speed rail, right? But it has to be it has to be cheaper. Interesting. Right? Yeah, you're right. You know, no you know, you know, you know where we're at. Bob. It costs me three times as much, right? 
yeah no i i hear the cost yeah the, and, and you're right it has to be cost effective the other thing though that, that i just wonder historically if we're not at the time of the crossover between the horse and buggy and the model t and you know you see these old pictures in new york city um where you had the model t but you also have horses and uh, then the horses eventually become phased out because they can't go everywhere a car can once you built the roads. And see what the lesson there was, you have to build the infrastructure before the car industry could take over from the horse and buggy. Yeah, exactly. And look, you know, I think people get enamored with technology, you know, like they want the big, everybody, and it's just like trading. It's pretty funny. Everybody is, is, um, Everybody's going for the kill shot all the time. So, but instead of, you know, instead of going to all the auto manufacturers and bring them in, say, look, I want, I want, you know, a 5% improvement in mileage uh, every year. Okay. And there's technology out there. You know, you, you can go to carbon fiber. You can make the cars lighter, right? There's, there's adaptive brake technology that, that uh, for hybrid cars, right? You know, with trucks, they, they, they streamlined the way the truck works. You can constantly, there's new tire technology, right, that, that allow you to have less friction on the road. I mean, on it goes, on it goes, on it goes. I don't know why we didn't, we don't just, just strive to be more efficient. At the same time, we're developing these, these, these follow-on technologies. And so, and it's not just with that. You know, it's, when I started in the solar business is that we kind of were having a, like a slight growth curve in terms of efficiency. And then the electrical engineers got involved and they moved it from the solar panels, which is more of a physics problem, to the inverters, which was more of an electrical engineering problem. And then we had a quantum leap in efficiency because they figured out how to drag, how to reduce the inefficiency of the... Um, of the loss between the panel and the inverter. Okay. And, and so they, they started to step up the efficiencies of the, um, of the product. And at the same time, by, by getting the engineers involved, they lowered the cost of the installation. It used to take me two and a half days to do an installation. And by the time I, I, I got out of the business, we can install a home in, in a day or less. I used to have to use more electrical, um, electricians, than roofers and now they basically engineered out the electricians that you literally you, you get the roofer on there they, they drop the panels and the racks the inverters are embedded in the panels and then the electric companies created this device that basically keeps you from having to go into the into the electrical panel to to wire it and it's just all you do is you're just putting in one new uh, connection um, from a um, circuit breaker, so I used to have to. I used to have a guy that would take eight hours to rewire the panel, and guys twelve hours to twenty hours um, to do the racking, and and now and then the inverters, and now I can get the guys on the roof for one day. I have an electrician for one day, and I'm out of there. And so that's those are the things that we should always be striving for, but we don't do that because people want to. Politicians want to be heroes, right? You know, you get up there, Dave, and say, hey, over the course of four years, I can make your child incrementally smarter. Or you're going to buy a guy who says, I can make your kid a genius, right? You're going to go to the shiny nickel. Although, you know, your plan will work 
his plan gets the attention. And that's how politicians operate. So yeah, I, it's I, not I, always nefarious. It's, yeah. just, it's just the nature of humans. Their appetite's bigger than their ability to provide. I, I hear you. I hear exactly what you're saying. So let's take this and wrap it up and say, how does this influence what you do at Trade Genius when you look at these logistical challenges that we're going to be facing? How does that affect what you do with investment? Uh, it doesn't affect me at all because we think we're already well positioned. And so we're just going to continue to ride out this um, this move because it is secular. It's not transitory. And I think people are going to – what's going to happen, Dave, uh, we're making good money now. And by the time people figure it out in the middle of next year, we'll be making awesome money because we're still ahead of the curve of belief. Okay, because the media hasn't changed on their on the narrative of this transitory they're going to have to start accepting it going into next spring and we'll already be well positioned in all these things wow that's uh it's encouraging for your people it's very discouraging for everybody else look you know life is this way so uh if it wasn't one thing it's another i can't control any of that i can only control i can only control my reaction or anticipation of these things no i agree i totally agree and you just took the gilda radner approach i remember hearing that line spoken by her many times <laughs> um but uh so going forward with this you know programs are going to mold i mean when i when i look at for example these eco programs they're going to have to mold and adjust they're going to have to and if, if they don't they're going to alienate the public and they'll fail on their own right now most of the public seems willing to try but uh, I think it would really be affecting the investment. So let me ask you, out of the new Green Deal, is it the palladium and uranium and all? What, what's going to be the investment related to the new Green Deal? Yeah. Um, so and we got about a minute. Yeah. Uranium owns some. Platinum owns some. Here, look, you want to own CCJ. You want to own PLG. OK, you want to own some XLE. All right, you want to own some MOS, and then when we talk in two weeks, I'll give people even some more opportunities. No, that sounds really good. Well, let's, uh, you know, because I know we really piqued people's curiosity with your tremendous investment numbers and your success. So again, let, let's give out that website. It's tradelikeagenius.com or tradegeniusacademy.com, and you got a deal open until the 13th at midnight which is 40% off the non-bundled items and 65% off the bundled items, which are your educational items and your ticket to get into the system. Did I say that correctly? And the coupon code is fall. Yep, you got it. And Did uh, I got it all? check okay. us out and join us. I think you'll be really happy with it. Well, with those numbers, I'm telling you, you, be you better have people standing by because when this airs, and we're pre-recording right now, but when this airs, I think uh, the explosion is going to happen because those numbers were fantastic. Bob, this was a fascinating dis discussion. I don't think I've heard such a common sense discussion on where we're going economically such as this. But thanks for joining us, and I look forward to our next discussion. Yeah, Well, we are on the Common Sense Show, Dave. Have a great day. <laughs> okay, thanks. Bye-bye.